Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Hallelujah. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. That's exciting. Hey. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to just receive our tithes and offerings. I, I just so appreciate Pastor Daniel and the way that uh, he's presented that. Um, we have so much opportunity in front of us. It's so wonderful, and we're so excited about the blessing of God and the goodness of God. He who began a good work in us will carry it through to completion. This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Hallelujah. And we're so grateful uh, for everyone uh, who supports us on a regular basis. Um, and you know, we have a reason uh, that Tom and I regularly sow into church. And I've been thinking about, uh, as I've been getting ready to write an, another book now, I'm just finishing up, um, we've just finished up my manuscript for Speak Life, which will come out in a little while. But then at the, uh, I think it's, beginning of next year, um, my new book on freedom is going to come out. And so I'm just starting to work on that now. And as I've been thinking about the concept of freedom, I've been thinking about the reality that everything we do, we do because we do it by choice. I, you know, Tom and I, we've been uh, saved, we've been born again since we were young teenagers. So we've lived our whole lives as Christians, neither of us have ever been drunk. We kept ourselves for marriage. We've, we've lived Christian lives. And we look at you know, the world with, and, and the way they do things. And people might say, oh, well, you've missed out on this and you haven't done that and you haven't done this. But we look at it and we think we've made a choice. We haven't been constrained by a religion. Oh yes, well we do this because I have to do this. We do, you know, I haven't, I haven't done that because we do what we do because we choose using the freedom that we've been given to make choices. Jesus said, it's for freedom that I've set you free. And therefore, we've got to enjoy that freedom and recognize that what we do, we do deliberately, intentionally, by choice. I, I do exercise regularly, and I do it not because I always feel like it. I do it because I believe that it's good for me. And because I believe it, I action it, and I do it as a discipline. And it's not based on whether I feel like it or not. I do it because I believe this is beneficial. Isn't it, isn't it great to be grown-ups? It's great to be an adult, I think. I think about this occasionally and think, I can do whatever I want. Realistically, I could, I could eat donuts for breakfast, lunch, and dinner if I want to. I could. I don't have to eat zucchinis, ever. In fact, I married someone who also doesn't like zucchinis, so we don't. We just don't do zucchinis. And I don't have to, because I'm a grown-up. I can make that choice. But if I didn't want to, <clears throat> I wouldn't have to ever eat vegetables or salad, or I could just eat chocolate if I wanted to. But I believe that that isn't good for me. I believe that eating a balanced diet is beneficial. And because I believe that, I make a, a disciplined choice to eat my vegetables, except zucchinis. 
I make a disciplined choice not to have donuts, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Though I could if I wanted to. In the same way, in everything I do in the Christian life, I don't do it because I have to. I'm just bound to this, I'm a Christian, therefore I have to do this. I don't have to do anything. I do what I do because I believe this is beneficial. This is my choice. I believe that my heavenly Father's ways are more wonderful than my ways. I believe that He has my best interest at heart. I believe that obedience brings blessing. I believe that everything He asks me to do, He does with the intention of working it for my good. I've just recently been um, in Wandira, and we were talking with the farmers down there, and they do this thing called dry sowing, where, I mean, it's ridiculously dry in summer there, and they actually don't even like it to rain that much in summer, which was mind-boggling, because you know, it just grows weeds, and they get their rain mostly in winter. And so they do this thing called dry sowing, where they sow the seeds and wait for the rain. And they sow absolutely in faith, knowing that that seed is not going to just reproduce a seed. So they don't expect to sow and reap what they have sown. They expect to reap much more than what they've sown. They expect every seed to produce multiple seeds. And they do that regularly in a disciplined way, knowing, okay, this is what we believe and this is what's gonna happen. In the same way, we deliberately, intentionally, since we've been children, Tom and I have been taught and we believe that when we sow regularly every week, in season, out of season, whether there's abundance or whether there's um, lack, we deliberately do this knowing that this is a principle that God has given us and we trust Him that His Word works. Hallelujah. So we sow intentionally and we see God's blessing manifest. He is so faithful. He has never, ever, ever let us down. He is so faithful. We, we sow it in faith and we speak it, we declare it. I, I make declarations all the time. As I said, I've just finished up this manuscript on Speak Life. And I, I'm just so, so pumped to be making declarations. I'm declaring it all the time. My husband's really prosperous. We, every, everything we put our hands to prospers and grows. I thank you. We walk in divine health all the time. My, uh, my children love God more than I do. All of their spouses are serving God, that they love me and love going on holidays with me. Hallelujah. <laughs> I make these declarations. I declare, I declare blessing and prosperity over Tom's business. I, I, I speak blessing over my, all my work and ministry that I do. I speak declarations over my books. My bo books are bestsellers, hallelujah. I, I make declarations unashamedly knowing that my heavenly Father delights to see things prosper and grow, that the will of God for me is to prosper me, not to harm me, plans to give me hope and a future. I believe it, hallelujah. Therefore, every week, intentionally, we sow. We sow our tithes, and then we give on top of that, 
and we watch the blessing of God come. And even as I've been more intentional over these last couple of months, I'm making really intentional declarations over our finances actually, we've seen an amazing breakthrough in our personal finances. It's just been amazing what the Lord has done. And um, unexpected blessing from outside sources, blessing on, on his business and blessings start to come in because we recognize and believe that when God speaks, it's an invitation for us to partner with him, with our mouths, and see the manifestation of what he wants to happen. So we're gonna sow today, we're gonna sow intentionally. I wanna, um, even as we've been looking at the finances, Dylan and I are ready to move into a building tomorrow, hallelujah, and um, Tom and Daniel and the finance team have to say, we love your vision, but the reality is <laughs> we're gonna believe with you, but we need to be wise. And we're like, yes, we need to be wise. Thank you, Jesus. But we have probably estimated about 22% of the church regularly tithe. And so I wanna say thank you to that 22%. God bless you. Guess what would happen if we all played our part? We'd have a new building, yay! So I do wanna encourage you. You are not under any compulsion to give. You are free, you are so free. But I wanna encourage you to use that freedom to make choices based on what you believe. What do you believe? What you believe is what you will do, hallelujah. So let's get our offerings ready and just thank him for it. Father, we, Thank you that you are the author and the finisher of our faith, that you are faithful, that you are true. God, you are so good. You are our provider, and it's our delight and our good pleasure, Father, to honor you with the first fruits of all that we have, for you are our source. God, we come to minister to you to bless you. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. Lord, we commit all of our ways to you, knowing that you said, commit your ways to the Lord and your plans will succeed. We know also that it's your will that you'd prosper us, that we'd be in health even as our souls prosper. So Lord, I speak blessing, prosperity, multiplication over each and every one in the name of Jesus Christ. Everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you as you give. Wonderful Jesus. Well, I just want to bring a short word today and then we're going to take corp um, communion corporately. I know it's been a little bit um, of a different service, but our heart was really for you to be able to see and have a little picture of what we are doing and why we do it, understanding the why, hallelujah. And we love um, what the Lord has done. I just, I get so excited to come to church. Who enjoys coming to church? Yeah. Hallelujah. And you know what? That's another choice that we make, to be deliberate and intentional. We, when we got married, uh, we, we made that deliberate choice. This is what we do. We come to church every week. We tithe every week. It's just part of who we are. We choose to do that because we believe it is for the, our benefit, for the benefit of our future family, that this is what we, this is what we have. This is what we, this is what we do. We do it not because we have to. We do it because we choose to do that, knowing that it brings life and wholeness. So let's pray. Father, we say thank you for today. 
This is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, you are our provider, you are our source. Lord, you are our helper. Father, I thank you that you're the God of miracles. Father, we thank you for your kindness and your grace. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you that you're our comforter. Lord, we thank you that you'd be with those that need comfort. Lord, we thank you we lift up the Apparel family, Lord, right now. Lord, that you put your arms around them and comfort them. Lord, I thank you that you are our comforter, that you're our helper. Lord, that you are our ever-present help in time of need. Lord, you are so faithful. And Lord, we run into your arms knowing that you are our good, good Father. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I spoke uh, last time we were together about wine and God turning water into wine. And it's an interesting story. The Bible tells us in the book of John that when Jesus was at a wedding, they were on the third day, which we all know the third day was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. But he intentionally says here, on the third day of this wedding feast, or on the third day, Mary approached Jesus and said, they've run out of wine. And Jesus said, what's that got to do with me? My time's not come. And then she said, whatever he says to you, do it. She put her absolute faith in his character, knowing that he, Jesus is the answer. He always is the answer. In fact, without fail, every time someone came to Jesus with a problem, Jesus manifested himself as the answer. Every single time. There was never a time when Jesus was asked for help that he didn't manifest himself as the answer. And you know what? You can put your faith in the character of Christ. That's who he is. He is the answer. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he manifested himself as the answer without fail to everyone who asked for his help, then he will continue to do that because that's who he is. Our faith is in who Jesus is, in his character. And when you know him, you can trust him. His mother knew him. He knew who, she knew who he was. God doesn't ask you to trust someone that you don't know. He wants you to know him and have confidence in his character, knowing that he delights to be the answer for you. He wants to be all that you need him to be. And that's why he wants us to ask. He doesn't want us to muddle through and see how we go. He wants us to help, to ask him for help in every single little detail. I get a lot of help and a lot of favor because I ask for a lot of help. I ask for a lot of favor. I do it intentionally, deliberately. I need wisdom, God. I need help. I need comfort. I need some encouragement. I need your help. Help me, help me. I unashamedly, I ask, I ask and I receive. Hallelujah. You know what? You have not because you ask not. God wants to. He delights to be your helper. Hallelujah. So Jesus steps up. And you know, I, I think it's interesting. Sometimes you think, well, he didn't wanna initially do it because he didn't want to be revealed 
but he'd already been revealed. The father had already announced it and said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. The, the dove had come and landed on his shoulder in front of everybody, a voice came out of heaven. So he wasn't hiding who he was. What he was saying was a prophetic foreshadowing of the fact that my wedding day hasn't yet come. That it's not time yet for the water to be turned into wine because he was saying that there is a day coming that instead of um, the old system of judgment, because what he called for were the water pots to wash feet with for ceremonial cleansing. The idea was that we do our best under religious ceremonies to get ourselves cleaned up enough to be accepted by God. In the Old Testament, we read the stories of where the water was turned into blood and it was a sign of judgment, yes? Well, they called for the stone pots, the ceremonial cleansing, and Jesus was about to turn that, not into blood as a symbol of judgment, but into wine as a symbol of a new covenant. And it was his good pleasure to show and demonstrate, not only that I want to bless a wedding in the natural, that I love marriage and I want to celebrate with you and I want you to have rejoicing and, and joy, but he also wanted to show the reality that there was a, new, a whole new covenant coming, that instead of water being turned into blood, instead of judgment, instead of ceremonial outward cleansing, God was going to do an, a supernatural thing where his blood would be poured out so that instead of us having to drink of judgment, we'd be able to drink of the celebration of a wedding feast, having been qualified and cleansed from the inside out and joined to our heavenly bridegroom, hallelujah. And so it's an amazing story. I went through, um, I encourage you to have a listen to it. Um, we're no longer having to cleanse ourselves in our own efforts. Jesus is coming, has come to bring us a new way where we come and we receive from him the new wine. There were six water pots, six being the number of man. And that was a symbol of this is what we do in our efforts, human efforts, to try to get clean, to try to become acceptable. And each, each of the pots, they said, held about 20 to 30 gallons. And if you multiplied six by 20, you get 120. On the day of Pentecost, there are 120 gathered in the upper room. And the new wine was poured out. And God was wanting to show us that he wants us to be vessels that are filled up to overflowing with all the fullness of God. He wants us to know that through the prophetic act of turning water into wine, that God wants to provide for us the wine of his presence, the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, supernaturally. But I wanna to look today at what happened. When Jesus said to the servants, all right, fill the pots to the brim. So they went and did that. Then he said, get a cup and take some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. You know, obedience brings 
blessing. Every time we make an action to agree with God, to believe what he says and do what he says, that's when we start to see the manifestation of the miracle. You see, God can turn the water into, the, into wine. He can lay a banqueting table before us in the presence of our enemies. He can and has, he says, given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. But it's not until we actually take it and put it in our mouths that we get to taste of what he has supplied. It wasn't until they took the cup and dipped into the pot and put it in their mouth that they were able to taste and enjoy the manifestation of the miracle. In the same way when Jesus was multiplying loaves and fishes, there was an action required to come into agreement with the miracle as they gave it away, as they began to see it consumed. As they gave it away, God kept multiplying it. The oil and the wine for the widow, as as they kept providing empty vessels, as she kept using it, it kept being replenished. God wants us not just to have his blessings in theory, but to deliberately begin to engage in obedient action with what he's doing so that we can receive what he wants to give us. God's laid up all these benefits. Forget not all his benefits. See, I delight to give you the kingdom, he says. It's my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. All of his promises are yes and amen for us. Hallelujah. You read through the Bible. It's rich, the table. Oh, the table is laden. It's rich. It's glorious. But unless we take it and put it in our mouths, we don't get to enjoy it. You know, I believe that God is wanting us to deliberately start waking up and taking advantage of the kingdom that he has given to us. That God is wanting us to be people who like Elisha, who'd been asking for the double portion when that when the mantle fell he didn't just go okay well that's good he picked it up and he struck the water and he said where is the lord god of elijah he struck it he spoke it and he expected to see what he had asked for manifest it requires us to be proactive to deliberately engage in faith with God. God is looking for us not just to, to sit back and say, well, yes, we have everything we need and, 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 and um, be passive. The heavens suffer violence and the violent take it by force. God's looking for us to proactively engage with heaven. He tells us that he's given us the keys of the kingdom. That is, God has decreed the blessing of, of heaven. He's decreed the benefits of the kingdom, the benefits of being sons and daughters. He's laid the banqueting table, but he has given us the capacity to choose and interact with him to see those things manifested on earth. He tells us to pray. Your kingdom, come. Your will, be done. 
why would we have to? If God is just sovereign and we don't have to do anything, why do we have to, to say anything? Why would we say, your kingdom come? Because it'll come anyway. Why would we say, your will be done? Because it'll happen anyway. No, God has given us the keys of the kingdom and waits for us to respond to his invitation to see it manifest on earth. In the same way, all of the blessings of God are laid out for us, but God is waiting for you to take part in what he has done and see the manifestation of the miracle. If the water pots had stayed there, nobody would have experienced the miracle of the water being turned into wine. He absolutely delighted to do it, but there's something that has to happen in order for us to be able to engage with it, and that is obedience. That is saying, I choose to trust that your ways are higher than my ways. I choose to believe that your thoughts are higher than my thoughts, and I'm gonna come into agreement with you, and I'm not gonna sit back passively as a victim hoping you do something, but I'm gonna believe what you said. I'm gonna believe that I have been given the power of heaven to behave like my Father <laughs> and start to creatively declare what he has already approved to see the manifestation happen on earth as it is in heaven, hallelujah, to start to speak it out. I was looking this week at um, the story of Gideon in Joshua chapter seven. If you wanna have a quick look there, you can turn with me. This is another interesting picture, a type and a shadow as well of what the Lord wanted to do. Oh, excuse me, sorry, Judges. Judges chapter seven. This is the story of Gideon's 300 mighty men, valiant warriors. I wanna read this story to you. We'll start here at verse nine. Hallelujah. It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you're afraid to go down, Go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterwards your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. So he went down, and if you know the story, you know that he overheard some Midianites telling about a dream that they had that was a clear picture of Gideon defeating the armies. And it was a tremendous confirmation and encouragement to Gideon. The Lord had already spoken, but Gideon really liked the second confirmation stuff, if you think, remember the um, fleece. And God delights to do that. He wants to encourage you, he wants to reassure you. But when you know what God has said, then you have a responsibility of, to how you're going to respond. Just because he says something doesn't mean that it will manifest. You still have a choice as to whether you're going to engage with what God wants to do. You still have a choice to see his will done on earth 
as it is in heaven. You have to make a decision to say, yes, I believe what God says, therefore I will obey. Hallelujah. So he gathers the army together. Verse 16, he divided the 300 men into three companies and he put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. Watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you shall also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had posted the watch, and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp and the whole army ran and cried and fled. When the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp, and the army fled to Bethesda. What fascinates me here is, I mean, there's, there's so much in this story. You've got jars of clay, hallelujah, which is us. And as that is broken, suddenly the light gets to be seen. Praise the Lord. In the new covenant, it's no longer we who lives, but Christ who lives in us. He's empowered us to reckon ourselves dead indeed to sin and alive to God in Christ. We are the light of the world, hallelujah. And the, and the, the weapons that we have are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Christ in us is the hope of glory, hallelujah. So they were told to break the pictures and the light suddenly shone. But it's interesting, it says here, it's when they blew the trumpets, the Lord said every man's sword against his companion against the whole camp. They didn't just let the light shine. They put something in their mouths and they made a sound. There's something that happens when you start to take what the Lord has said and what the Lord has done and put it in your mouth. When you put it in your mouth and you make a sound, God makes the manifestation manifest. Hallelujah. God brings the victory. You see, I believe that there's a whole lot of really good teaching in the church today, but there's not a lot of eating. God wants you to take what he's given and put it in your mouth. He wants you to begin to lay hold of it and make a sound about it so that the victory starts to be manifest. You know, I'm, I'm so intentional about my words, about lining up with what God says. But I tell you, God looks for us to begin to make a sound about what he has said so that we can start to see the activation of his kingdom manifesting on earth. When we start to make declarations like, I'm the healed of the Lord, 
by his stripes I am healed. When we start to make declarations that I'm prosperous and I, I'm gonna live a long and healthy life because the Lord delights to satisfy me with long life, hallelujah. When you start to make declarations like all of my children are taught of the Lord and great is the peace of my children. When you start to take the promises of God and call those things that be not as though they are, what you are doing is putting a trumpet in your mouth and starting to see the manifestation of what God has already approved in heaven. God's looking for us to take it and say, yes, I'm going to come in agreement with heaven and start to see the manifestation of what God has said in my circumstance, in my life, in my community. That's why we've got to be so careful about what we say over our nation, what we say about our leaders, what we say about our politicians, what we say about anything that we're doing. We have to be intentional that what we say is going to manifest what we want to see manifested. If we believe that He is the Creator who created the world with His words, that we've been made in His image, then we must also believe that our words have creative power and we need to use those words very intentionally to start to see his glory come and be revealed on earth. So it looks like deliberately getting up and starting to make some noise. When I was a little child, someone once said to me, oh, you know, don't pray out loud because the devil might hear you. <laughs> and I was quite concerned about this thought. It's like, okay, and, and then I was also taught that the reason we pray in tongues is so the devil can't hear what we're praying about. Uh, that's actually not true. Not, 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 well, he probably doesn't know what they're praying about in tongues, but we don't have to be worried about the devil hearing us praying. God is looking for us instead to use the word as a weapon. You see, if we have the sword, but we never take it out of the sheath and use it, then it is of no use to us. God's looking for us to be intentional, to use it, a two-edged sword in God's mouth and in our mouth, and see it manifest on earth as it is in heaven, to start to decree a thing and see it established, hallelujah. To start speaking about our children, our spouses, our, our bosses, our workmates, our family members, calling those things that be not as though they are. Instead of reinforcing what you don't like, start calling out what you are believing for decreeing it, instead of saying, oh, you know, my brother, my father, my sister, they're so hard toward God, they, they're so far from God, stop saying that. It is unhelpful to begin to reinforce what you see with your natural eye, when instead you've been commissioned and called to begin to release what has already been approved in heaven. God's waiting for you to use the keys of the kingdom, not to behave like the rest of the world, but to use the choice and the freedom that you have to behave like God and be intentional in every word that you say. To take it, to speak it, to decree it, and expect to see it manifest. And then as we speak it, as we decree it, then God wants us to begin to engage with it which means to start to take action. 
when you've got the word, when you are speaking it, when you're decreeing it, and then you start to step out on the water, that's when you start to see the reality of what God wants to give you. You know, you might be saying, you could decree till the cows come home. I lay hands on the sick and they recover. I lay hands on the sick and they recover. I lay hands on the sick and they recover. But if you never actually lay hands on the sick, they don't recover. God's looking for us not to throw away the confession, but to recognize the power of the confession to thrust us into the obedient action that we delight to do because we know and believe that he has our best interest at heart. God's looking for us to step with him. Sometimes in the message of the good news of the gospel, we get confused and we think it is finished means we don't have to do anything. God hasn't caused everything to be finished so that you sit back and do nothing. He's finished everything so you can now begin and use His finished line as your starting line to see His manifestation on earth. It is finished, man, it is finished when it comes to judgment. Now, what are you gonna do with the freedom I've given you? It's finished, now use my finish line as your starting line. The same works that I do and greater works will you do. God stands at the finish line and casts vision for the future waiting for you to begin to act like Him, speak and decree it and run in the direction that He's called you to run. He wants you to manifest His kingdom on earth using the tools that He's given you. The very nature of Christ to create like He creates with His spoken word in agreement with the approval of heaven and then to, to strike the water and see it come to pass. What's God asking you to do? Do you desire people in your family to be saved? Do you wanna see your workplace saved? Well, God wants you to see it, believe it, say it, and then step out and share the good news of the gospel. Do you wanna see people healed? Believe it, receive it, speak it, declare it, then go and lay hands on the sick and they will recover, hallelujah. No, we are saved by believing in our hearts and then confessing with our mouths. God's looking for us to do more than just receive the wine in the, in the vessels. He wants us to take our cup, dip it in, begin to taste it, and then testify to the whole world, this is such good wine, it is the best wine, hallelujah. He wants us to taste it, to drink it, and to recognize, yes, this is too good to keep to myself. Let everyone come and taste of what Jesus has done, hallelujah. I believe the Father is wanting to challenge some of us, to shake us out of the place of just knowing the stuff into starting to be those that do the stuff. I wanna finish with this scripture. You'll know that I use this all the time. I wanna share with you just from James chapter one. Verse 20, 21. Actually, verse 21. 
Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. That is the water pot being filled with the wine of the Spirit, being transformed, being cleansed, not by a human effort, but by the grace of God through faith in His great grace. Hallelujah, my soul is saved, hooray, yay. I confess with my, my mouth, believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, that He has taken my judgment and given me forgiveness of sin. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. I'm clean, I'm saved because of the blood of Jesus Christ. He became sin so I could become righteous, hallelujah. But he doesn't stop there and say, now all just sit on the couch and don't worry about anything. The next verse says, but be doers. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. In other words, those that recognize the freedom that they have and don't just sit back and go, isn't it great that's in my account? But those who instead look diligently at what is in their account and then start to put it to work, those are the ones that will be blessed in what they do. Do you wanna be blessed in what you do? You need to put to work what God has already credited to your account. You could go to the grave a millionaire and live like a pauper if you want to. But God isn't wanting you to be people who have the kingdom in theory. He wants you to experience on earth what is in heaven and he wants the world around you to experience it too. It requires us therefore to be doers of the work. Not people who are, who are doing stuff to try to get approval but are recognizing I have been saved. Therefore, this is what I'm choosing to do with this liberty and freedom that I've been given, with this banqueting table that's been set before me, I'm going to deliberately engage with God with my mouth. I'm going to engage with God with my actions and I'm going to see what He has promised come to pass, amen? Father, we say thank you for your word. You are good and you are faithful. And Lord, we ask that you'd help us, Papa. We need your help. But Father, we don't wanna just live lives that are surviving. We don't wanna live with theory about what you do and not see it manifest in the natural. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. We invite you, remind us, help us remember what we look like so that we would become doers of what you delight to do in the earth. Father, I thank you that we are the body of Christ. And Lord, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Father, we want you as your body. We want to engage with the works that you have dreamt of doing here on earth. 
Father, we want your light to be seen. We want your wine to be tasted. We want the good news of the gospel that isn't judgment anymore, but freedom from sin, freedom from condemnation, freedom from eternal damnation. Lord, we want them to know and respond to your invitation to eternal life. And Father, I ask that you'd help us. Lord, not to be passive, but to be fully aware and fully awake. Lord, walking in all the fullness of what you have for us, that we might overflow. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Papa, we love you. Well, in just a moment, we're gonna hand out communion. We're gonna pray together. But before we do that, I wanna ask you, if you're here and you know in your heart you haven't responded to Jesus as a savior, the Bible says that even the demons believe in God. They believe in Jesus. Believing in his existence is one thing, but it's another thing to actually respond to the invitation to eternal life. Life is short. We were on holiday, we just saw everywhere the, the board short ad advertisement. Life is short. It is. But God wants us to have eternal life with him. And it comes through his provision, but he waits for us to say, yes, I need that. He has made a way for you to be cleansed from all your sin so that you could be qualified to be joined to him who is light and have eternal life with him. But it's your choice. He says, see, I set before you life and death. Choose life but you don't have to. But he says, I want you to please choose life. I've made a way for you to be set free from sin and shame and guilt, from the punishment of sin. I've taken it for you. If you will receive my salvation, here's my hand, take it. I want to rescue you. You only need to reach out your hand to him and say, yes, God, I need rescuing. I need salvation. I want to be born again. I want to be joined to you. And when you do that, God delights to rush in and be your savior. If you're here today and you say, yes, I wanna make that deliberate choice to respond to Jesus, I'd love to pray with you today before we take communion together. If that's you, would you just wave your hand at me? If you say, yes, I wanna get my life right with God today. I wanna to respond to the Savior and receive the gift of mercy. Let me see your hand if that's you. Is there anyone here today that says, yeah, God bless you. That's so awesome, that's so awesome. <laughs> Hallelujah. Is there anyone else that says, yeah, I want that. I wanna receive the gift of life today. I want today to be the day that I receive salvation. Let me see your hand if that's you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I want you all just to pray with me and, and online we're gonna pray together. I'm gonna pray with you. Let's pray together. Out loud, let's say this. Father God, I believe you sent your son Jesus to be punished in my place. Right now, Lord, I give you all of my sin, everything I've ever done, and I lay it at your feet. I receive your forgiveness, your cleansing, your mercy. 
come into my life. Make me new on the inside. I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior and as my Lord. Thank you for forgiving me, Lord. Thank you for eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, hallelujah. Now, if some of you just put your hands on our brother around here, just get around, we're gonna pray. I just wanna pray blessing over him and over everyone that has said that online. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we bless, we bless, we bless, we bless our brother to know you. We bless everyone who's just said that prayer. In the name of Jesus, God, I'm asking that you'd surround them. Lord, I thank you that for the delight, Lord, that they have to confess you before men. And you said, God, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who's in heaven. You are not ashamed of them, you receive them. You declare them clean, forgiven, whole, righteous, holy, pure, now in the name of Jesus. We declare them forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. Father, I thank you, Lord. I'm asking that you'd cause him to go from glory to glory and strength to strength, that he'd know your presence, that he'd hear your voice. God, in Jesus' mighty and holy name, everybody said amen. Amen. All right, can we hand out communion? Have we done that? No, not yet. Thank you, guys. If we could do that, that'd be awesome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just while we do that, um, who have we got here? Esther, have we got any other family here today? Can we, can we just, can you just reach your hands out toward Ben and Esther right now? Uh, most of you would know they lost their brother. Uh, Esther lost her brother this, this week and uh, we are just grieving with you and the whole family. So Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we ask for the comfort of the Holy Spirit just to surround them right now. Lord, we, we thank you, Father, for the whole family, Lord, that your hand would be upon each of the girls, upon mom and dad, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name that your supernatural comfort, your supernatural peace would flood their hearts in the mighty and the holy name of Jesus. Lord, surround them, Lord, with your presence, with your love, with your comfort. Help them now, Lord, we ask in the mighty and the holy name of Jesus. Let them feel and know your amazing love in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, 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 hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.